0: I love it when people just follow what the Lord asks them to do. Mm-hmm. I asked you just moments ago. I said, "Is there a time to stop praying?" That was perfect. Amen. You couldn't have got a better song to prove the message this morning. You know that was not work between us. That was that was the Lord telling her what to sing, and the Lord giving me the message to preach this no morning. All <laughs> I even like that better amen that that's when the lord does his best work we are so grateful for the lord and for what he does and for what he brings to us uh i want you to take your copy of god's word this morning turn to matthew chapter 26 we're going to start in verse 31 Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 31. When it's time to stop praying, prayer is not a crutch, prayer is a support system. But listen to me. Anybody that's ever been on crutches, you understand and know that that's not where you're going to live the rest of your life. Anybody that's ever had a sprained leg or a broken leg or anything like that where you've had to use crutches as a support system, it's there to aid you. But eventually there comes a point in time where you expect to get stronger. That you don't need that strong as a support system. What I mean by that is, is that there are some people, some Christians, that just think that prayer is the answer to everything. It's actually not. We're going to see it in the text today. What I mean by that, prayer for so many people can become such a crutch that you actually forget to put action along with prayer. You know, there's sometimes when we pray to God about answers and he gives us the answer, but the answer doesn't have does not correlate with him doing everything for us, but it's us taking care of ourselves. And that's what the message is about today. That's why that the Lord gave this to me over a week ago that, you know, when it's time to stop praying. And I I knew that as he instantly gave me this text of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, very familiar to most of us. We're going to we're going to break some of these verses down this morning to help you understand what's actually going on. But we need to understand that prayer does support and help freedom, spiritually speaking. But it is something that is won or lost by the individual. I want to read something to you that this was Ronald Reagan. This is back in 1964 at a political convention. But I want you to get the spiritual understanding out of this. Okay, not the political but the spiritual. Freedom is a fragile thing and is never more than one generation away from extinction. Amen. It is not ours by inheritance, it must be fought for and defended constantly by each generation. For it comes only once to a people. Those who have known freedom and then lost it, never know it again. Father, we thank you again for this time. We pray that your spirit would move as only you can move. Give to us the guidance, counsel, and wisdom today that it would embetter our lives for a greater tomorrow for those that are lost without Jesus Christ. For the Christian, we open their hearts before you today that, Lord, that you would move as only you can move. Father, we pray for any that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that you would speak to their heart as only you can speak. Father, we just give this service to you because it's for you, it's about you, and it's given to us because of what Jesus gave to us. We love you and we thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. I love this statement. I remember reading it years ago, and then the Lord brought it back to my mind. That's why I bring it here to you today that freedom is lost. Freedom of not movement, freedom not of having your own opinion, but freedom of spirit, freedom of doing the right thing. Sometimes we live our lives in such a way that we think that prayer is the only answer and we just we keep praying to God and we keep asking him to work it out. And yet there's no answers. Have you ever really thought about that? Sometimes when you ask God about things and you don't get an answer, have you ever really thought about that? So many times we pray and, and, you know, we can pray things for years. And then there's a time where the Spirit of God will come to us and he'll say, stop praying. And you think, "Well, well, why should I stop praying? Because there's a lot of times for us as Christians that when we're praying, we're trying to control. We're not trying to ask. You have to know that. We keep praying about something over and over and over and over and you know we need to lay it down sister tammy we need to give it to christ and we need to do all these things jesus you know peter talked about jesus and he said listen cast your cares upon him for he cares for you cast means to throw away cast does not mean to put it on the end of a leader and throw it away and yet you still got a fishing line hooked to it at some point in time when you feel like reeling it back in that's not faith faith is in the line faith is in the connection faith is not in the savior and we find ourselves so overwhelmed with this. And, and I think, too, so many times of how is it that two people profess to know the same God can get two different answers? That has perplexed my mind for 16 years as a pastor. How can we say that we call out to the same God because he's all one? He is not separated. He is not divided. He is three, but yet one, the power of the Trinity. But two people can call out to the same God and we can get two answers. Why? Well, there's a host of reasons, and I'm not going to take the time to go over all of them this morning, but simply are we praying to the right God? Are we praying through a Savior that is alive, that's going to a living God, that wants to know our prayers and He wants to hear from us, and yet the same God that knows our needs before we even ask? Who is this God that we call out to? Who is this Christ that we know? Who is the savior of the world? Who is the God of the light? Who is the one that has created all things for himself? Who is the Christ that came and died for every person, no matter of ethnicity, skin color, background? Who is this God that we call upon and we say, Lord God, please forgive me of my sins. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and save me. Who is this God and this Christ? Is this the same God? Is this the same Christ the day after our salvation that we call upon the day of our salvation? Is he the Jesus that we expect to save us when we cry out to him with a pure mind and a pure heart and a need of salvation? Is he still the same Jesus that we cry out to the first time we run into a troublesome moment? Is He the same God that we cry out to on the day of our salvation, that we cry out to on the days, as the Apostle Paul says, that I do what is wrong, but yet I don't do what is right. Is He the same God, is He the same Christ that we call out to, that when we just, we're, we're in need of communion, we're in need of presence, not that we're asking for any one particular thing. Listen, every day we wake up, we don't have to ask God for something other than grace. We don't have to wake up every day and say, Lord, God, clothe me. Lord, God, feed me. Lord, God, do this. Lord, God, do that. Because, again, he knows what we need before we even ask. So we find ourselves being into such a rut with our relationship with Jesus that we find out and we think that as two people pray to the same God looking for a relative same answer, but we get two different conclusions. Hence, where's the breakdown? Is the breakdown in God? Which is where a lot of Christians will blame the Lord and say, well, you're not listening or you don't care enough. Are you truly the God that I trusted in so many years ago? Where is your heart? But heaven speaks to you and says, where is your faith? Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God speaks to us. If you don't hear the word of God, you can't have true faith in Jesus Christ, because if you don't have the truth of the word of God preached to you, taught to you, lived at in front of you. And be spoken to you. By generations of history. How will you know this God and this Christ? When is it time to stop and pray? Think about this quickly. Think about Noah. I'm going to give you a few examples for those of you that still aren't convinced yet. God came to Noah, and he told Noah something that no human being had ever dealt with before. He said, there's coming a flood. He says, I need you to build a boat. And these are the dimensions of it. Noah didn't sit there and start going, well, let's talk about this, Lord. These are things that have never happened reality has never proven this to us and to me it's never happened so I, I don't understand why well then you have the other believers that maybe at that time would have said and, I, and I'm, I'm just saying would have said that for 120 years he builds this boat and they're like well wait a minute where's Noah's faith I mean where's this great God where's this great flood where's this great need for this great boat it was found when God came to Noah again and says get two of every creature and them on board then it was reconfirmed when god said get your family and get inside and the lord shut the door and he sealed it there's faith if noah would have just kept saying but lord help me to understand lord i don't understand lord i don't understand this i don't understand that the boat's not being built And let me explain something to you quickly, brothers and sisters, from a man that has made this mistake countless times in my history since I've been saved. That there are so many times that we think that we can barter with God, that we can question God, we can ask of God, however you want to identify with that in your prayer life this morning. And you think, well, he'll still give me time to do if Noah would have kept asking God why when the flood came, the boat would not have been built. There's a time where you step out on faith and you stop praying. Abraham and Sarah, great in years. If they would not have come together in faith, Isaac would never have been. Moses and the Pharaoh, if Moses would not have ultimately went, we understand the story, he complained and whined and needed somebody to help him. But if he would not have eventually stopped talking to God about it and doing what God told him to do, then Israel would have not have been brought out when they were. God told Joshua, he says, march around the walls of Jericho seven times. If he have walked six times in the seventh time, he thought, well, I just need to pray about the seventh one. Then the walls would never have come tumbling down. There's a time to stop praying. There's a time in America, as we are very blessed, that there's a time to vote. And many Christians will say, but my vote doesn't matter. My vote does not change nor stem the tide of decision. Whether you believe that or not, there is a day that comes after election day where you have to live with yourself of knowing that you did and fulfilled the right that you have been given. And lastly, Jesus in the Garden, which is the text that we have this morning. There is a time to pray. There is a time to talk. There is a time to move. Let me give you two more things really quick. And I want you and, and, and know I'm not going to go through this quickly this morning, and that's okay. I'm giving it to you the way God wants me to give it to you. But I want you to look at this statement. Look at this statement. Prayer is not always the final solution, but it is the first step in preparation. The Lord gave that to me two days ago. Prayer is not always the final solution. It is not always up to God to take care of everything. It is up for us to stand up. Jesus said, pick up your cross daily and walk with me. He didn't say walk up to your cross and just look at it. He didn't say go to your cross and just pray over it. Jesus said, pick up your life every day. Your purpose, your fulfillment, your abilities, your calling, and you carry it every day. We should not have to have the Holy Spirit walk us through everything that we do for Jesus. All we should be doing is praying when we need to pray. Listen when we need to listen, do when we need to do, and even in the times when God is not giving us a direction, still do what needs to be done. There's still a great difference with that and how we respond to that. So prayer is not always the final solution, but it is the first step of preparation. Quickly, one of the greatest sources of discouragement for Christians is not knowing how a matter will turn out. Jesus is going to show that to you in this text. One of the greatest discouragements to a Christian is not knowing how something's going to turn out. Will you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I agree with it. You agree with it. We agree. Great source of discouragement. For the Christian, peace should not come in knowing the end, but having enough faith in the one that will bring all things to be in his will, in his way, and in his time. Do you trust Jesus? Do you truly trust the Lord? If you're saved, I know you did on the day that you were saved. And that's great. Praise God, because without faith, you would not have salvation. You can confess with your mouth. But if you don't believe within your heart, you can't be saved. Because the Apostle Paul says that you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart. There is a moment of prayer. Pay attention. Pay attention. There is a moment of prayer because you believe, you call upon Him. But the Apostle Paul confirms that in Romans chapter 10 when he says that you need to call upon the Lord, but you need to do so with faith. Faith is not words, faith is action. And action is movement. But faith motivates action and action is a representation of faith. So you have to get to a place and point in your life where you have to stop Praying. And that's one of the problems with the Christian community. Is we're always wanting to pray. I hear that all the time. And like, somebody comes into somebody's you know, life or they go to a pastor or a counselor or somebody and they're like, you know, well, what you? well, just pray. Well, maybe prayer isn't enough. Maybe simply praying to God is not the answer. Maybe me asking to heal my relationship with Brother Ben... And say, Lord, fix it. And then the Lord looks from heaven and He says, Well, Scott, I'm not the one that caused the rift. You are, so you go to Ben and you fix it. Mm -hmm. You getting any of this this morning? And this is where the attitude and where the action. So how much do you truly trust Jesus? Now quickly, I've got one more. I want you to look at it. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Are you ready Mike? Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Are you all with me? And we know, and we know, do you know, or are you too busy praying? And we know that all things, do you have enough belief in God that you know that it's going to be okay in the end? Amen. Not the things that you want to work out the way you want them worked out, but all things in your life. For we know that all things work together for bad. Nothing happens right. Yeah, just, life is so miserable, and I just—I never get it. God never answers me. And I say that because I've actually had Christians approach me in that way uh, and, and talking to me about that. And then I walked away from the mirror. <laughs> and we know. And we—and wait, we, and I'm serious. I'm not joking. And we know. That all things work together for good. Now think about this. Just really quick. Give me that minute because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I've only got 20 minutes and I'm going to finish this out. Amen. Amen. For we know that all things work together for good. Do you believe that? Yeah. Do you trust Jesus and do you trust everything to work out to your benefit in the end? For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Do you love God? Do you love Jesus? Are you saved today? Do you truly know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life? Can you with absolute confidence of faith of mind and of heart, right now, setting where you're at, standing where I'm at, and you absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt, without having to pray about it, without having to fast over it, without having to ask somebody else about it, do you know you're saved today? If you know that today, then we as Christians know that irregardless of what comes into our life, the greater purpose is the fulfillment of God's grace and mercy and that we know it will strengthen us, it will encourage us, and it will embetter us for the future service for Him. To them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose, are you a child of God? Do you trust him today? If you answer any other question today, and if there's only one question today that you will answer, I hope that you answer that question today. Do you love the Lord enough and do you trust him today? Or are you the kind of Christian that you constantly are asking God, show me or prove to me? Show me, prove to me. Show me, prove to me. If you are a Christian, he's already done that. He did that the day you were saved. Let me ask you this quickly. Do you remember the moment that you was saved and that feeling that came into your heart? Do you remember that moment when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and He took that guilt and that burden off of your heart? Amen. He released you from feeling guilty. He released you from feeling bad. He released you from the presence of knowing that you are no longer on your way to a place called hell. And you have been sanctified and set apart by the justification through Jesus Christ to get you to a glorified place, which is called heaven. So do you trust him? How much do you trust him? And I pray you trust grace through this today. Let's look at Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 31. Here's an announcement of discouragement. I love this. Starts out good. Amen. Here's an announcement of discouragement. In verse 31, Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended. All of you today will stumble. All of you today will be enticed to sin because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Hmm. So history is proving itself. So the shepherd will be smitten and the sheep will be scattered abroad. Here's this great understanding, and this is found and we're not going to read it, but you go over to verse uh, 56 of the text, uh, text chapter, chapter 26 this morning, that every, disi- every disciple Jesus is prophesying, this is the discouragement, every disciple Jesus is prophesying that they are going to desert him. They're going to desert him that very night. The ones that he trusts, the ones that he has called, the ones that he is not only going to use at that moment, but the ones he is going to use in the future, they're going to turn their back on him. Verse 32. But here's an announcement of hope. Y'all been waiting on that one, right? You always want the good news. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Now his disciples knew him because Peter knew because you're going to see it in the text. Peter understood and knew what Jesus meant when he says that you will be offended today. He understood that by, by, by history and by time and by knowledge of, of the words that Jesus is using in this word offended which simply means to stumble which simply means to be enticed to sin that he says but even in spite of what I know that you're going to do he says... I will rise again. In spite of what you're going to do, you're going to turn your back on me. You're not going to follow me. You're not going to trust me. You're not going to do all the things that I need you to do today. But you will not hinder me from rising in the future. Now think about that real quick. If their lack of faith and lack of prayer to God for Jesus at that very moment, if it didn't stop Jesus dying and rising again, then what is our lack of prayer doing today? Something about it. Verse 33. So listen, old brother Peter here. I love Peter. Anybody else in here like Peter besides me? I love Peter. Oh, I love studying Peter. That's why we're in 1 Peter on on Sunday, Wednesday nights. He says, Peter answered and said unto him, though all men shall be offended because of you, yet will I never be offended. Wow. Wow. He says, right, let me break this down into Laman's terms. He says, though all of us shall stumble and be enticed to sin, I won't. You want me to give you today's preparation of understanding of that text? I don't need to pray. I'm strong. I got it. I'm good. I wake up in the morning. Whether I got an hour before I leave the house or whatever it is that you got to do, you wake up in the morning, you're like, thank you. It's all good. I don't need prayer. I said the title of the message is when it's time to stop praying. I didn't say that there's never a time to pray. There is time to pray, but there's also a time to stop praying. So Peter says this and he cries out, and yet he still understands the definition. He understands the words. He understands the commitment to, to unjustified uh, representation of his mind and his heart, turning his back on Jesus. But yet even his own mind will not understand that. Let's look at verse 34. Jesus responded to him and he says, Verily. Remember when Jesus said "Verily," basically it says, Wake up and listen to what I have to say. Anytime you read the word verily, if you want the basic understanding of that means, it means wake up and listen. Verily, I say unto you that this night before the cock crows, you shall deny me three times. Now you would think, now come on now, let's just be realistic about this. You would think at that point in time, Jesus himself, and look at it in the first person presence here today, if you're saved and you know Christ and the spirit of God is living inside of you. And if, if the spirit of God spoke to you today, that the way that Jesus spoke to Peter at this time, and he says, you're not only going to stumble, you're not only going to be enticed to sin. He says, you're going to do it. Now, you would think that at some point in time that maybe Peter would have wanted to go to the garden by himself before Jesus got there and went. Lord, this is burdening me. Jesus is prophesying about where my life's going to be and what I'm going to go through. And yet, Lord, I need your strength. But yet he's not even praying. Peter said unto him, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee likewise also all the disciples See, so he's not only speaking upon himself and for himself he's speaking with all the disciples and he says listen he says we're not going even if we're going to die we're not going to deny you did the words of jesus mean nothing to him did when jesus prophesied and told him that listen three times it was a specific number he didn't say well there's a few times tonight he didn't say sometimes tonight he didn't say many times tonight the power of the spoken word of god is not in the words themselves but by the power and the authority by which it is spoken and this is where we see this in peter and i believe with his mind and his heart he's thinking that i'm so strong i'm capable i'm able because y'all remember peter he's loud he's boisterous he's arrogant he's very outspoken so what peter is using at this point in time he's using physical strength to fight a spiritual battle anybody ever been there besides me Anybody ever went through something difficult and instead of giving it to God and letting Christ work it out, you kept fighting the battle on your own? Where do you think all this stuff comes from? How many times when we need to cast it on Christ and give it to Jesus and just walk away from it. But we keep picking it up and we keep picking it up like a cross. That cross of commitment that Jesus said for your life is a cross of commitment of faithfully and trusting and in divulging your life in the presence of the wills and the perfect wills of God. Not in worry and not in anger and not in hate. Then came Jesus with them and called a place Gethsemane and said unto his disciples, Sit you here while I go and pray yonder. This is not a request. Pay attention now. This is not a request to sit idle, but this is a request to take the time for them to pray as well. Have you ever had the attitude, "Well, Jesus will work it out. And I'm not going to worry about it." Okay. Anybody? Come on. Amen. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy of heart. James and John was with them. Then said he unto them. Let's look at verse 38. My soul is exceeding sorrowful. My soul, my heart, my existence is exceedingly, exceedingly sorrowful. Have you ever been there, Christian? You can say amen. It's okay. Have you ever been exceedingly sorrowful? There was something in your life that was dragging you down so deep and so far and so fast. So exceedingly sorrowful even unto death, Jesus said. But He says, you need to stay here and you need to pray with Me. Watch, but pray. Pray. He says you need to watch yourself. You need to be mindful of your own hearts. You need to be careful and stop. Listen, I need you to pray for yourselves. Jesus knew where He was going. He knew His ultimate end. His power was in the perfect wills of God to go to the cross, to the grave, and to rise again. Jesus already foreknew what His destiny was. He looked at the disciples and said, You need to sit here and you need to watch over yourselves. And you need to pray because I've already told Peter what's going to happen tonight. There's sometimes we need to stop praying for others and we need to be praying for ourselves. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, This is a prayer of great sorrow. Oh, my Father, listen to the cry out of Jesus. He says, Oh, my Father if it be possible let this cup pass for me but he says nevertheless not as i will but as thou wilt be done jesus gives an absolute example of what we are to do in every situation is to call out to god and say lord this is my cup and i'm bearing it lord if it be thy will please lord let this cup go away from me let this circumstance be gone but he also concludes with faith. Then he says, but my father, not my will, but your will will be done. Amen. And when he said that, he didn't say that in a prayer of not asking and receiving an answer. He cried out that and he says, but my father, I will prove to you that my love for you is greater than their love for me. Hmm. Sound kind of familiar when we're dealing with people that are being hard headed and anxious about life? Verse 40, and he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. And saying to Peter, boys, could you not even watch and pray for one hour? And we wonder why when you can't go to sleep, insomnia, two things you do is pray or read the word of God and both of them put you to sleep. Come on, you have to admit that. That's why the word of God says you need to kneel. Because you're a whole lot less apt to go to sleep when you're kneeling. Because if you're like me, your knees is hurting so bad it's keeping you awake to pray. Amen. Amen. Let's, for the sake of time, let's move on here. He says, could you not watch and pray with me one hour? He says, do you not understand the importance of this night and what this night is going to be for me and you? Do you not understand that this is coming the time of fulfillment of the purpose and the ultimate purpose of my life? Do you not get it? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is He cries out. He says, stay awake and consider yourselves. He also says to not enter into temptation means that you will not do what you're going to do. Do you get that? He says, pray so you can get wisdom so you won't do what I know you're about to do. Anybody in here, has the Holy Spirit ever just spoke to you and just said one word, said pray? Anybody in here this morning, has any time in your life, has the Spirit of God spoken to you and said nothing else other than you need to just pray? Why? These are moments of communion. These are moments of time. These are moments of presence. These are moments of discretion. These are moments of decision. These are great moments. There is time to pray. And Jesus proves that. But he also says there is a time when you stop praying and fulfill the wills of God. That's what he just said when he says, let this cup pass before me. Let this way pass before me. But Lord God, I will let your will be the way of my life. Think of that. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if this cup may not pass for me, except I drink it, thy will will be done. This is a prayer of great submission. This is the submission of his life and of his heart. The submission of the perfect wills of God and the ways of God. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. They weren't concerned. Do you want to know why we fall asleep when we read the Word of God or why we fall asleep when we pray? We're not concerned. We're not concerned. We want to feel good and we want to pray and we feel like we need to give something to the Lord because He's not given us an answer yet. And we anxiously want an answer, but we fall asleep in Bible study. We fall asleep in prayer time because we're simply not concerned. There's no urgency. He left them. You notice there's no interaction. After this one. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time saying the same words. Did he not have faith? Yes, he had faith. He had faith in the perfect wills and ways of God. But that proves to you and proves to us today the humanity side of Jesus. But so many times he's been misconstrued, he's been misquoted in this particular text. says, well, see, he was just like us. If he was just like us, he wouldn't have been Jesus. He would not have been the Messiah of the world. Did he exercise his heart? Did he exercise what he was going through? Was he exercising what was going to happen? Do you understand this one thing? I'm going to close in just a second. Listen to me. Jesus knew that by hanging on the cross that God was going to turn his back on him. There was coming a great time when the greatest of burdens, listen to me, the greatest of burdens was not taking your sins and my sins upon himself. The greatest of the burden was that in the midst of paying your blood atonement for your sins and my sins is that he knew that his communion and his relationship with God for that very instant would be broken. And he would deal with that with his own mind and his own heart. Are you getting that? He knew that his relationship with God was going to be severed. But yet connected because Jesus was fulfilling God's will. God never left him. God just turned his back on him because in the presence of of God is no sin. God could not see that. That's why Jesus was created. That's why Jesus was alive. That's why the Spirit of God deals with our hearts today and calls us to conviction and, and takes us away from complacency. He is who He is because we were going to be who we are. And yet He loved His God so much and He loved you so much. In verse 45, Sister Jill... Then cometh he to his disciples and said unto them he simply says you all he says listen y'all go ahead and go and sleep there's a time to stop praying now there's a time to stop praying now are you hearing me there's a time to stop praying now jesus says he says y'all go on to sleep boys you go on and do what it is that you're doing right now you just keep sleeping you don't need to wake up i ain't waking you up again Well, he's fixing to, but you understand by the prayer expectation of the mind and the heart of the disciples, he says, listen now, he says, you need to stop, stop praying. And he says, behold, the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. He already knew at that very moment what Judas was doing. And let me explain something to you. Physical strength can never replace spiritual strength. Amen. You may think that you're physically strong. You may think that you are mentally strong. You may think that you can deal with everything that you need to do in this life. But let me tell you what, in the end, your physical strength will fail you. Your physical strength will cause you to fall flat on your face. And then at that moment, then the reality of your spiritual strength and the need of it will engage. But by then it's too late because you've already fallen. Ben you've been there I've been there we've all been Donnie we've all been there every one of us I'm not a hypocrite to stand before you and say I have it my wife has I have Jonathan Everyone has. brother Don every one of us has we've all let God down but there's a time to pray and there's a time not to pray and as I close this out but he says rise in verse 46 he says rise and let us be going behold he is at hand that does betray me What is he saying? He says, boys, prayer time is over. There's no more need to pray. There's no more need to cry out. There's no more need to say you're going to when I know you're not. There's no more need to exalt yourself to say I'll be willing to die with you. There's no more need. There's no more need to pray. There's no need. Because we have met our destination at that moment as you stand as we have met our destination at that moment as jesus calls out to us now listen to me christian as jesus calls out to you today and he said listen son daughter it's time to stop praying it's time to rise up and it's time to get going You need to stop worrying about prayer. Prayer is preparation. We saw that. I explained that. But here Jesus said, boys, get up and let's go. Preparation has been made. The appointment has been scheduled. Now it's your turn. It's your time. But understand this, that Jesus will never ask you to do anything that he knows that you're not capable and able to do. Did you hear that? He'll never ask you to do anything for him that he does not have absolute confidence in you. That he knows that you have the abilities and capabilities to complete that. If there's someone here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and new Savior, so Pastor, what's all this have to do with me? You know today that you cannot save yourself. The Lord God, through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, has spoken to your heart and told you you're not good enough. You can't do it on your own. But through faith in me and through prayer and trust in me, you can receive what you cannot do on your own because I have already done it for you. Will you trust in Jesus today? Will you entrust in him today? What do you need to do as we sing two verses of this, this hymn this morning at this invitation? At the end of it, we're going to conclude this service. What do you need to do today? What page? 596.